1: That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
0: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family,
2: but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friends experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping
1: at Total Wine & More. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA podcast presented by Beeball Breakdown. I'm Brian Taporic, and joining me in lieu of my co-hosts, Sarah Chalea and Morton Jensen, is Jeff Fair, of B-Ball Breakdown draft expert. Jeff, how's it going? Good. How are you? Doing well, man. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me uh, again. Yeah, so full disclosure before we get underway. uh, Jeff, Morton, and I actually spoke on Saturday.
0: And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive.
1: Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what. man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
0: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
1: Uh, We tried to record this podcast for the first time and spoke about 75 minutes about all these draft prospects. And uh, during the editing process, the podcast goblins got to us. So we actually lost that footage. But today, Jeff and I are here to recreate that magic. So you can find Jeff on Twitter at JFEY5. You can find his work at b Breakdown and Nylon Calculus. And he is here today to talk all things draft, because it is coming up. We're recording this on Wednesday, so it is a week from tomorrow. One week. Yeah, so let's start right at the top, because there's been some... <sighs> Easy? <laughs> some stories about Ben Simmons refusing to work out for Philadelphia. Uh, before we dive in there, really, Jeff, who do you have at the top of your big board? Well, unlike
2: most people, I'm going – I'm being the contrarian and going okay. with Brandon Ingram. And, Interesting. Uh, it's not it's not necessarily because of how I view Ben Simmons as a player overall. It's just from my perspective, and I think I mentioned this to you before, is like you know, I, I, my view is, a, is skewed very much toward what I saw on the court last year from a college college standpoint say what you will about college basketball and its shortcomings but Ben Simmons came in with these heightened expectations and you really you were left mystified every time you watched him last year you know the skill is there you know he has the ability but every time you watched him he left you a little left left you wanting a little bit whereas Brandon Ingram came out and just played phenomenally at compared to expectations now trying to separate that from what you see in Simmons' skill level and the the versatility he has is tough to do because you do you do want to take that production into account in some respects. Um, but as we'll get to, I'm sure later. I mean, I have them bunched very closely together, mm-hmm. um, and it's just it's a lot of personal preference because I I like the guys that can, I like guys that can shoot it from the outside, and Brandon Ingram could certainly do that. Yeah. Um, I think the the comparisons. If you've seen any comparisons of him to Kevin Durant. Is a little, um, a little much yeah. I don't think he he's not near to that level, but, um, I think the decision between Ingram and Simmons really comes down to uh, a fit thing and whatever team is drafting at the top of the board and what they want to do with that particular player and what their need is, um, especially when with two guys are close together. I mean, we'll we'll talk about uh, you know value of players, um, independent of need. Uh, but when you have two guys so close together, skill wise, as uh, similar as they are, and uh, I mean they're both about, I mean they're both at least six nine, uh, both perimeter based for the for the most part, but their skill levels are varied. So um, it really it really would come down to how the team drafting them is going to use it. But I have Ingram number one, uh, very close to Simmons, and it really is just because it, it Simmons ha- opened up more question marks last year than anything else.
1: Gotcha. Uh, if you were the Sixers, then would you take Ingram, or do you think the you know you mentioned kind of fit? being uh, yeah. in there. So yeah,
2: I mean I, I i could see them going either way, and it making sense either way. It really it really depends on what the next step is after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean if if their idea is that uh, they're they're without a point guard right now, right? Uh, they're they're talking about trading Okafor and Noel. They have mm-hmm. a new GM. I mean, what is the plan there? We we know what we know what we, we don't know what the plan is yet because it, it's a new it's a new regime. We don't know if they're going to carry out any of you know the the process or not. Right. But I mean, they're dangling both their 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 uh, post guys that are recent high draft picks. Mm. They have very little in the way of, of contracts on the books, and you, you don't know what the next step of the plan is. If they're looking for a guy to you know run the offense out of the high post. Um, had that positional versatility then I would go with Simmons mm-hmm. if you're looking for a guy to play on the perimeter next to a traditional point guard, shoot the ball from the outside create scoring that way then I think you go for Ingram. With Simmons and you don't, and you don't get rid of those two post guys because it's going gonna, it's gonna to really clog the lane because Simmons just can't shoot from the outside really well right now right. Uh, whether or not that skill will develop is unknown but if you're going into next season with Simmons, Okafor and Noel all on the same team you might be in some trouble
1: yeah, uh, I think that is the question. As you said, the the plan right now is very up in the air. It sounds like they are leaning toward trading either Noel or Okafor, presumably by draft night. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like you know we've heard Nerlens for Jeff Teague. We've heard Okafor linked to the Celtics, who have the number three pick, which we will get through shortly. <laughs> so it sounds like one of those two guys is on their way out. I mean. Longtime listeners of the podcast will know I've been pretty firmly team Simmons just because of that, what you mentioned, uh, you know, they don't have a point guard. So it's not like you're displacing not even like a Stephen Curry or Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul, but like you don't even have like a Reggie Jackson or a Jeff Teague or a George Hill, like a mid-level point guard. There is nothing mm-hmm. like Ish Smith yeah. is the best point guard on the roster. and He's a free agent. So you are free to put the ball in Simmons hands as much as you want. And it kind of allows you to build a very unconventional backcourt where you mm-hmm. don't need guys who need the ball in their hands all the time, which I like. Um, but then again, I mean, Ingram, I mean, it seems like there's no wrong answer here, right? Like whichever guy they pick is gonna has an all star ceiling. Sure.
2: This seems like a, a year where there really is no wrong answer. Either way it goes. I mean, imagine imagine them having the number one pick in the Anthony Bennett draft in 2000, yeah. uh, 2014. Th- 2013. 2013 yeah. 13. Yep. Um, but yeah, if they had the number one pick in that draft, then we have then we have issues. Right. But this is a draft where you have two guys firmly at the top that would no doubt both be number one in that particular draft. Mm-hmm. Um And it it really is – I mean, you could really build some interesting stuff out of Simmons. If you work the offense at the high post, you put a couple guards in the backcourt that are 3-and-D, they can handle the ball a little bit, Um, you're creating a pretty versatile, diverse lineup. Um, Ingram, I mean, is it – can he create enough off the dribble in order to uh, sustain without a true point guard? It's it's really – there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes the Sixers know that we don't know that we can't account for. So – uh, I mean, if they're going to trade Noel for Jeff T, uh, <laughs> then we're, I mean, you got to, <laughs> I don't even know how you describe Jeff T, but um, I, I think they're in a good position because they're able to work the rest of their roster based around what they do at number one, yeah. not the other. They're not, they're not letting the rest of their roster dictate they're not, the, the pick at number one. They're letting the pick at number one dictate what they do the rest of this offseason.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. And you... So you mentioned earlier the kind of the fit versus BPA debate. So where do you fall in that spectrum?
0: I'm
2: I'm all for fit. I'm all for going for fit, but as long as you're not sacrificing value. Um, I think if you've got two guys rated the same, and and you have a need at a particular position, then you go for the guy that fits best with your team. But I mean, you don't want to draft a guy higher than he should, um, strictly based on need. I mean, you're not going to draft a guy. I mean, for instance, if you ever need a shooting guard or, or you're not a shooting guard in this draft, you're not going to draft Jamal Murray, or buddy heel, the head of Brandon Ingram or uh, Ben Simmons. As much right. as some guys like those two players, and I like them both a lot, but you're just not going to do that because Ingram and Simmons um, have a chance to be transcendent NBA players. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for one, and I, I, I forgot if I mentioned this to you, but I, I love Chris Dunn. I love Chris Dunn. I think he'd be an excellent fit for the Sixers in in their backcourt and solve their point guard problems right away. Um, He's one of my favorite point guards in the in the last few drafts. But again, do they like him enough to risk? I don't want to say the public backlash from taking him (laughs) over Simmons and and Ingram because that you know that doesn't come into they say that doesn't come into conversations, but you know in some respects it does. Right. But I mean, it's it's whether or not they think Dunn can be better than Ingram and Simmons. We just don't know that, but I love the fit for Dunn and Philly, but he's not going to go in number one before Ingram and Simmons. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I mentioned this earlier. I don't know what caused this like flood of stories the past two days, but Ben Simmons is so far refusing to work out for Philadelphia. And now people are making a huge deal of it. Is it as big of a deal as people are saying? I don't think so.
2: I don't think so at all. I think, um, I mean, there's monetarily, there's not really anything he's going to gain by going to another team. There's not going to, I mean, right now, you know, you going to LA or Philly is just more of a personal preference than anything else, anything, Mm -hmm. anything else. Um, that then would kind of raise some red flags about, you know, is Ben Simmons really that into just playing the game or is he, you know, more into the other, the ancillary things that go along with it. But, I don't think it's a big deal at all. I'm not working out for the team. Um, but, you know, we don't know exactly what their rationale for it is right now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't concern me at all. Because if Philly really wants him, if Philly, they're going to take him. And yeah. there's not really anything he's going to be able to do about it.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I don't get why this has become a story. Because, A, it's not like he's – working out for the lakers like he's not working yeah. out for anyone so yeah. it's, it's not like he's trying to force his way to la necessarily it's just like he thinks he's going to be the number one pick he has nothing to gain from working out like the only thing that can hurt it's just going to hurt him if he has a yeah. like maybe he has a bad shooting day and brandon ingram came into philly and knocked down like 90 of 100 <laughs> threes and then all of a sudden it's... there's more doubt
2: it's so crazy that an NBA like, rumor or NBA non-story like this is being blown up into something else. It's crazy. That never happens. Yeah. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, like ESPN ran with it today. I saw a story on the big lead earlier that made me almost punch my computer. So I wanted to put that to rest right now. Uh,
2: yeah, it's. I don't think there's anything to be concerned about. And I think that, um, I mean... Philly knows what they want to do and if, if they're really confident Simmons is the guy, he's going to be the guy regardless of whether or not, I mean, they, they have enough
1: intel on him to know whether he's their guy or not. Yeah, for sure. So, it seems like in some order, the Sixers presumably are leaning Simmons, the Lakers will take Ingram too. So, number three, the Celtics, really the fulcrum of the whole draft because that's the one spot where things can really swing. So, yeah. talk to me about your next three how, how do you have the guards ranked in that range uh, chris dunn jamal murray sure. and buddy healed
2: sure I, I have i have a dunn murray healed okay and um I, I like all of them i um i'm a fan of all three of their games all three of them different um clearly um and just to touch on the the fact that you know boston being the fulcrum of the draft there's obviously a chance that a guy like B- dragon bender is going to go here I didn't feel I didn't feel I haven't done enough work on the international guys to really warrant me co- talking about them because I think there's there's guys out there that do a, a ton of great work on the international guys that I just haven't seen enough tape, mm-hmm. um, so I don't feel confident in ranking those guys because I strictly I'm a, I'm a I'm a college junkie and that's where I focus most of my attention, but um, Chris Dunn, you know, you have a guy that's explosive in the open court, can run an offense. Played for uh, four years at Providence with, uh, you know, not a big program, not playing with guys that were top recruits. Uh, got into the third, second, uh, what do they call it? I think they're calling it like the second or third. I think we're back to calling it the second round now. The yeah, the, now. the round rather yeah. 32 is so, now the second yeah, round again. It's not yeah. the second round again, thank God. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, he does a lot of good things. There's some questions about his, uh, his pick and roll uh, ability in the half court. Uh, but again, does that come back to what the type of athlete he was or the type of player he was playing with at Providence? Right. He's playing next to a guy that broke out last year in Ben Bensel, um, who who I like. But again, the talent level was not that of a, of a Duke or North Carolina that he was playing with. Yeah. Defensively on the ball, he's tenacious, uh, great hands, top five in the NCAA in steals last year, um, really does a good job in that. And, so I'm a huge fan of, 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 uh, Chris Dunn. Also long, he's long, I believe he's got like a six, 10, wingspan for a guy that's six, three, six, four. Um, so that's, that goes a long way too. Jamal Murray guy that can play, uh, both guard spots or they project to play both guard spots. Didn't play a lot of point guard at Kentucky cause of Tyler Uless, um, can shoot the ball really played well in his, his freshman year, his only year at Kentucky. Um, playing again next to guys they, they really re- relied on ulison and, and murray heavily because they weren't getting as much as they expected out of guys like Scal, uh Labissiere and um and other guys in the front court there offensively basically Scal and, and marcus lee and uh, who now transferred and alex poitras they weren't really running any offense through them it was mostly generated through the the backcourt uh but murray you know only one year of college young uh able to he's he's not as athletic as people want him to be but mm-hmm. i think he's athletic enough for me So that's what some people have questioned uh but he, he does the job for me uh buddy healed i'm a buddy healed fan uh i caught buddy healed fever last year uh, wrote an article <laughs> wrote, a, wrote an article about him for nylon calculus based on his development as a player through four years mm-hmm. and really how he's refined his approach and become more efficient um he's really improved his free not only his three point rate but his free throw rate and getting into the basket and drawing fouls, which I think is, is important as well. You know, generating those extra points, not just from three point attempts, but also from getting to the basket, drawing fouls, creating uh, creating off the dribble. Um, not as quick, uh, but he's not as again not as athletic and not as quick as you'd like out of a shooting guard. But his release is flawless. Has some work to do defensively. He's tr- you know tried to improve this area, but you, you see him in Oklahoma's uh, defense get lost every every now and then. A lot of people question his ability to create as well. Not as big a concern for me, only because he was playing with two point guards in Jordan Woodard and Isaiah Cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a th- – I mean, basically, they're, they're, you know, he's their, he's their main guy, and he's playing next to two point guards that also had to, to create as well. Mm-hmm. So he's doing a lot more stuff off the ball. Um, uh, but I like, I, both, I like both Murray and Heald's ability to move without the ball as well. Murray can do a little – have a little work on it. But I like all three of them. And like, like I said, the order is done, um, Murray and Heald. And uh, I could see any of them, you know, I, any of them fitting up in the top five.
1: Yeah. So as longtime listeners will know, I have been on a crusade to trade Jaleel Okafor for the number three pick. That's my mm-hmm. kind of dream <laughs> dream scenario. So <laughs> if that unfolds, uh, who do you think the Sixers take there? And does it depend on who they take first? Like, are there better fits like, among those three guards great with question. Ingram and Simmons?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think if you take Ingram... Um, if you take Ingram, you're going with Chris Dunn. Mm-hmm. And I think if you take Simmons, you're going with the shooting. Yeah, It's that simple. I mean, that's, if you're looking for guys to match up together for the next 10 years mm-hmm. uh, and and you want them to play together, those playing together, I think Ingram and Dunn would absolutely match up. And then Simmons or Murray, Murray and healed. I mean, there's some, there's some questions Chris Dunn's got some, there question marks about his shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't fare uh, as poorly. I think as people make it out to be, uh, I believe he shot 37%. I mean, Thirty-seven percent last year um, from three, uh, but so not not as bad as you would as, as you, people make it out. Yeah, thirty-seven percent, um, so not as bad as you make it out to be, but uh, not his strong suit still. Um, but I think, I mean, if if they could take Ingram at one, definitely going with, definitely going with Dunn, and then if they take Simmons at one, definitely going with either Heel or Murray.
1: Gotcha, yeah, that's that's where I've kind of fallen as well. It seems like Simmons Murray the clear pairing there or it's Ingram done. So glad yeah. to hear we're on the same page there. Uh, let's go to kind of some of the biggest question marks in the top 10. Cause it seems like those five plus dragon bender are pretty solid, you know, yeah. top eight range. It seems like yeah. uh, Jalen Brown and Marquise Chris are the two who could really, they have the widest range of any top 10 pick. Yep. They could go, f- yep. either one could go three or they could go 10. So, uh, which of those guys do you prefer, what are their strengths and weaknesses and where do you think they would go? Like where, where should they go?
2: Uh, I mean, I, I like Jalen, I have Jalen Brown, my number seven college prospect. Okay. Um, I like, I like him a, a lot. I was, like any, like any college freshman has got some work to do. Yeah. Um, he is athletic can absolutely jump out of the gym, um, physical hustles, um, has some work to do in the way of defense but again what college freshman doesn't mm-hmm. um he can play two guard can play the small forward um he needs to get better as far as uh is shooting a little bit but i think athletically he can come in right away and have have some court kind of impact uh Marquise Chris is like the hot name right now and in yeah. i know he he had some stellar performances last year i know in the NIT he he blew up um had a good season overall last year playing with uh, uh, some I mean playing with some decent talent at Washington uh, but I don't know how you justify taking him that high when you see a guy that's compared favor- favorably to Tyrus Thomas I mean that's just kinda, <laughs> that right there as a bulls fan I'm kind of raising my eyebrows but yeah. you, know, you see him you see him play you definitely see what entices people he he has a little bit of a he's, he's starting to develop the ability to step outside and, and hit a shot. Uh, he just absolutely can like jump, attack the rim, jump out of the gym. Um, and it's apparently killing workouts. So uh, if there's even talk at last week of the Celtics taking him at three, Yeah, which to me, um, uh, isn't as crazy as you would believe because of how many picks the Celtics do have and the, in the ability for them to move up and down the draft, Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't call it that crazy, especially given, you know, they're not going to take Celtics. I don't know if they're going to take, even though they had Murray and Heald in for workouts and what that, that was the big numbers this week was how many uncontested in the gym. Three pointers, both Murray and Heald hit. Right, right. I think Heald hit 85 and Murray hit 79 or yep. 70. Yeah. So um, but when you when you're talking about Boston, you've got a backcourt already with Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley and uh, Isaiah Thomas. So it's like, where do, where do one of those, those guys fit in? You've yeah. got Crowder on the wing. You've got R.J. Hunter, who they drafted last year in the first round. He didn't play much. Um, Terry Rozier, who is a first-round pick, who, again, we don't know how you're going to get out of him. But still, you're investing a lot of assets in the backcourt. Yeah. Do you want to do that again? So that, right. would, that would seem to rule one of the guards out. Well, then you're going to the next step. And really, you look at a guy like Marquise Chris. They really don't have anyone in that front court that's athletically gifted like that. You've got Amir Johnson, who's you know he's going to be your enforcer more or less down low. Not going, to, doesn't demand the ball, does the dirty stuff. Um, but the, someone like Mar- Marquise Chris would definitely be unique to what Boston has on their roster right now. Is he a value at three? Not for me, but it's not that crazy to think about him going there when you look at the whole big picture.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. That you know the, the wealth of draft picks that they have. Both this year, they have eight, <laughs> which you know they're not going to use all eight, but they yeah. have a lot of draft capital that they can use either to move get picks next year, move up in the draft. You know, maybe they package sixteen and twenty three and move up to a like late lottery pick. So it there is, it's risky, but it's not like it's going to cr- cripple them oh. permanently.
2: And I think with a guy like with a guy like uh Danny Ainge, who's secure in his position, he's able to take risks like that, especially yeah. when they build up all the posi- all the draft picks they do have, and you know, he's he's had a great a good track record. He's good track good enough track record where taking a guy like that there isn't that big of a, a, a gamble for him.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um all right, so you shared with us your top fifty before we started here, and the one that caught my eye was Sabonis, who you have sixth yeah. overall. Tell, My tell guy, me, tell me about your guy.
2: My guy, not the most athletic, uh, average athlete probably uh, is not going to wow you with his workouts. Uh, uh, wingspan about the same as his height, so that's concerning. But he, is, I mean, he is six eleven. He does have a six eleven wingspan. It's not like we're talking about a guy who you know doesn't have. He has like six three arms. Yeah. <laughs> <6'11". laughs> right. Uh, but maybe I think what endears him to me is the fact that he does play a little below the rim, and and but he just you watch him play and you see that he knows the game so well. And he understands exactly what's going on in the floor at all times. And he goes a hundred percent every time, um, brings energy, uh, brings the passion to the game. Again, that only goes so far though. You look at the actual basketball, uh, sense of it, but he runs the floor. Well, um, he can step outside, and hit a jumper. He can, you know, he's not, he's not re- relegated to playing in the paint. Um, he's got great footwork for a post, um, give him the ball down low and let him work. Um, he's not afraid to be physical, which is so important. Um, so taking into account all those things, it's, it, it, he, every time I watched him, he, it seemed like I liked him even more every time. Um, I've seen Marcus soul comparisons, which I love, which I think is is pretty appropriate. The way he passes the ball, he's got a great, like I said, he's got great court vision and good court sense. Um, Obviously, I, I totally understand where other people are not ranking him that high. I mean, I've seen him as low as like 22, 23, Jeez. which totally, un, totally understandable. And, again, that's part of the great, the, the great thing about this process is that a lot of it is subjective. A lot is personal preference. a lot is, There's so many variables that go into it that I can totally appreciate someone having him rank low. Mm-hmm. In my mind, uh, if I'm running a team, I would love to have Sabonis on, on my squad, again, depending on what, what compliments him. Mean, you're going to need the right front court compliment to him, though. You're gonna need someone that's gonna be athletic next to him, so that's maybe a that's maybe a hindrance to taking him. You need someone that's athletic in the front court next to him. Uh, but I like Sabonis and Sabonis. Like like you said, is my number six guy after the top five.
1: Yeah, not I, taking
2: into account Bender.
1: I uh, right, yes, yeah. It's worth stressing that before we go too much further. That yeah. all all of I don't these want...
2: ranks. <laughs> where where is Bender? Why is yeah. he not? No, that's that's not that's not what we're doing so.
1: Yeah, all international prospects, no Bender, no yeah. Furkan Korkmaz, no right. Huawu, all those guys are not included here, so right. keep, keep that in mind. But yeah, I mean, I remember, I mean, I'm a Georgetown fan, so by the time the NCAA tournament rolls around, I usually have no loyalty at all, because we don't, <laughs> we're usually out by the second round. So right. I remember uh, Sabonis, I think it was the round of 32 where they played Utah, and he just, I mean, he took it to Jakob Pertl. Who is a yeah. also a top ten pick? Like right, he totally I mean, took him to school.
2: And it it wasn't it wasn't one of those times where you're like, wow, Jakob Purtle is not as good as I thought he was. It right. was one of those times where you're like, Sabonis is legit. Yeah, because um, every time I watch Jakob Purtle, I was impressed. Um, you're gonna see you're gonna see holes in every one of their games if you watch him enough.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: I mean, it was just so impressive to watch him work. I mean, that just fundamentally. I mean, you could see you see a lot of his dad. You really do. You see a lot of uh, if you if you're old enough to remember Arvidas for Portland. I mean, mm-hmm. oh my god! I mean, by the time he came to the NBA, his athleticism was was just nothing. Yeah. But he was the center on an almost almost Western Conference championship team. Um, <laughs> um they didn't blow a twenty point lead to the Lakers. Um, but he they get by on on guile and and skill and and awareness, which I think is is a lost art more or less. I mean, it's people focus on tend to focus in this process in the, in the months leading up to the NBA draft, they tend to focus less on uh, that, that intangible type thing and more on their physical ability, physical ability. And, you know, tending to rise to the top, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you have to pay attention to those other things that may um, tilt the scales in the favor of someone like Sabonis. So I I really enjoy watching him play and I'm really going to enjoy, you know, seeing where he ends up. I would, I mean, a perfect fit for him would be New Orleans. Ooh, would love okay. him, would love to see him next to Anthony Davis. Yeah, and and those two working together, um, I, that would that would be you know NBA viewing every night for me. I would watch New Orleans just to see how those two play together. Yeah, uh, because I really think that Sabonis would complement everything that Davis does well, and the other way around.
1: You mean you're not sold on Omer Asik as their long-term starting compliment to Anthony Davis? <laughs> I'm shocked. I loved,
2: I loved Omir Asik as the tenth man backup yeah. center on the Tom Thibodeau Bulls teams. Yeah, uh, I do not love him as my starting center, making twelve million dollars a year. <laughs> yeah, next a... To, and yeah, and and putting a burden on my franchise player. No, that's that's not the Omer Asik I like.
1: Yeah, that that was a good choice by New Orleans. Uh, all right. So you're a Bulls guy. Morton's a Bulls guy. Let's look at some guys in the mid first round who you like a lot. Talk talk to me about guys you want to see on the Bulls at fourteen.
2: Specifically for the specifically for the Bulls.
1: Uh, okay. it could be for anyone the Bulls, mid, anyone mid first round. Yeah, like okay. just, I mean, just some of the your value picks in the mid first round. Guys in
2: the mid first round that I really really like and probably like more than other and other people. I mean, Demetrius Jackson. Love Demetrius Jackson. Uh, I love the fact uh, that he, you know, is the third third guy behind Pat Connaughton and Jerry and Grant last year on Notre Dame, went to the Elite Eight, uh, went toe-to-toe with Kentucky. Um, you know, it was kind of, he didn't he didn't need to get the ball that much when you have Connaughton and Jerry and Grant put up the numbers they did. So then this year he transitioned to a whole new role, mm-hmm. the lead dog on a team, and they're back in the Elite Eight again. That says something to me. I mean, he's got some, he's definitely got some deficiencies. He's only 5'11", Um He is, um, you know, distribute. He's a score first point guard, so he's gonna have to show that he can run an he can run an offense effectively. I think he did enough for me when I watched Demetrius Jackson last year. He did show that enough for me. Whether or not he did that for other people is 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 unknown. Uh, Defensively, uh, you know, he's gonna give up some physical size to people. He's gonna have he's gonna have trouble with bigger guards. That's just um, that's just the 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 fact of the matter. But his quickness, his speed in the open floor is, is phenomenal. And that really, that does it for me there. Uh, Wade Baldwin from Vanderbilt, uh, you know, a guy that's the can play the point guard, can play the two guard, uh, physically can defend both those positions, uh, is a good distributor, can run an offense, uh, can shoot from the outside. Um, you know, your question marks arise when, okay, why was Vanderbilt with a the team with Wade Baldwin and Damian Jones, another first-round prospect, why were they, you know, losing in the round of in the playing game last year typically teams with that much nba talent are not losing that early and there's a, there's a wide range i've seen a wide range of rankings on baldwin you know going as high as i think um our guy uh our guy josh riddell at bball breakdown had him uh really early i think he had him six on his board and i've seen him yeah i've seen him as low as like 35 yeah. so baldwin is a very is a very polarizing prospect um it's 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 whether or not he can, um, if, whether or not he has the handle, because he he does he does play well off the ball. Mm-hmm. He does have good passing ability, but it's whether he has the handle to play, uh, you know, play an NBA offense. Whether it be operating the pick and roll, uh, the timing, of distribution, um, uh, so little things like that. But I like Wade Baldwin a lot. Uh, another guy that I like in the mid rounds. That I think probably more than most people, and now that there's news about him having some injury concerns, Malik Beasley, oh, okay. uh, like Malik Beasley, his ability to shoot the ball, um, you know, leaving after one year, put up some really good numbers at Florida State. Um, you know, he played for uh, played under Leonard Hamilton. You know, he's gonna be able to defend a little bit, um, but I really like Malik Beasley and his skill. I mean, out of this world athletic. Uh, in the open floor, played with some, played some decent prospects at Florida state, which kind of surprised. I thought he was going to come back for another year uh, mm-hmm. just to see what that Florida state team could do next year. But when someone calls and says, Hey Malik, you're going to be a first round prospect. Yeah. Probably wise to leave. Right. Um, I mean, shot it pretty well for a, for a freshman coming in pretty, pretty efficient numbers uh, last year, you know, got to the free throw line, a, a good deal could rebound it pretty well for a, for a guard too. And he's got the size to play both wing positions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's more important, more now, more now than ever, is that positional flexibility. You got a guy like Wade Baldwin who can play both guard positions. You got yep. a guy like Beasley who can play the wing. Um, so that's important now. Uh, other guys in the mid round, the mid round that I like, maybe more than most people. Um, I mean, I, I really like I, I like Bryce Johnson. Um, I, I know some people are down on him with these these lanky Carolina guys like <laughs> like John like John Henson. And he's not John Henson. John Henson did not have the offense funnel through him. Bryce Johnson rose to the occasion for North Carolina this year. Uh, Kennedy Meeks wasn't pulling uh, pulling his weight uh, in the post this year for Carolina. Still made it to the championship game. Bryce Johnson really impressed me in his development through his four years at Carolina. I think he can come in and a very. I I I every time I watched him, I had thought a little bit like Bobby Portis oh, in the way he plays. Um, which again, you know, as a Bulls fan, I, I don't know we don't want to be a little redundant in, in right. what we picked there. Um, so i like him a lot and we touched we touched a little bit on portal already but pertle's gonna probably go top 10 tyler Eulis, I'm a, I'm a huge tyler eulis guy okay. again injury injury news on him yeah um too concerned about him uh, but you're always going to have with him this the size concern and we um with being only five nine and i think he's like 110 pounds I mean, I, I, <laughs> who knows i think he was i think he measured 150 at the combine yeah but um but he ran an offense. He was able to manage a team full of McDonald's All Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people, you know, they looked who did they look to in crunch time? The 5'9, 150 pound guy yeah. that they needed to, to carry the load. Him and Jamal Murray, which I think they played well together, but that's a guy that I like. And then Denzel Valentine, who's yeah. everyone's favorite. You know, it, it, he's another guy that, like Wade Baldwin, has varying opinions on him uh Denzel Valentine is not going to take you off the dribble he's just not that's he I mean he will on occasion if he's being guarded on but guarded by Kevin Love but <laughs> I mean he's he's just not going to take you off the dribble consistently he can knock it down he's he's a versatile weapon you can run the offense through him he can guard the wing he gets by not on speed and agility but on good footwork good fundamentals you know he's coached well with Tom Izzo he was the leader of that team um so if you're, I feel like he's a guy that would go into a winning team and have a place right away. Yeah. Is he going to be a transcendent star on a team that's trying to get back into the playoffs? Probably not. But is he a guy that can come in and play play important minutes right away if you give him a pro, the proper role? Yes, absolutely. So when I'm looking at the the Bulls in the mid round, those are the guys I like in the mid round probably more than than most. I have I have Valentine ten. On my chart, oh, actually, that's, I dropped him to 13 because of the injury concerns recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved Jackson up to 10. I have Jackson 10, Baldwin 11, uh, Bryce Johnson 16, uh, Beasley 17. So uh, those are five of my mid round favorites. They're probably similar to everyone else's mid round favorites, but you know it's it's going to be that way. This is this draft is you've got five guys at the top that are or six guys if you include Bender again mm-hmm. that I think are pretty well settled there. Yeah. And then you get after those six and it's pretty muddled. I mean, you could take, it's, it's, it's a who's who. I mean, you've heard this draft is, you know, weak, but right. I think, I think it's really, there's just more questions about these guys and not necessarily the talent isn't there or not that they can't be good. It's just like any draft. There's so many questions uh, and maybe a more so because you've got a lot of guys that are either four year seniors or freshmen coming out um, that maybe had a little more to do. Like a guy like Scalabissier who came out after, I mean, just a, People were talking preseason All-American for him. Yeah. And he comes out and he averages about 10 minutes a game. I mean, that just is – and he still comes out. Um, So, that's. I think there's just a lot of questions around around those guys. And um, I think that's the reason you're hearing the talk about the draft being weak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on Jackson, Baldwin, Valentine as all – I love all three of those guys. I actually – I didn't realize about Jackson's, like, backstory and that he was from a foster family and, like, yeah, fought his way up through a lot of adversity, which, you know, it's hard to conflate that kind of, like, off-court stuff with on-court stuff. Like, who cares if right. like, you can't dribble a basketball? But, like, yeah, that does say something a little bit to me about, you know, he's – perseverance is, a, like, a – off-court tangible that you can't measure so absolutely like him him surviving that type of ordeal and like making it his way to a major college program and uh, he got suspended temporarily his freshman year it sounded like and then uh you know turned into an every game starter by a junior so i didn't realize that until last night honestly but after uh doing a little more reading on him i i like him a lot and then baldwin's my He's my guy who if the sixers took Simmons and somehow traded their way back up into the mid first round he's the he's that like dream point guard because I I think you mentioned it you know there's no you can't you're not sure if he if he's like fit to be a point guard in the CP3 mo- role but you don't need him to be next to Ben Simmons you've got a 64 mm. guy with a 611 wingspan like that you just need lanky defenders and if he can learn to shoot a corner three then he's he's gold.
2: It's pretty funny how the top four point guards in this draft, when you talk about uh, uh, Dunn, Baldwin, Jackson, and Ulis, are stylistically very different. Yeah. I mean, people are going to compare Jackson and Ulis based on their size, but it's really not an apt comparison. Right. Because, I mean, Jackson's going to be more explosive in the open court. Ulis is going to you know, be more of the game manager. But it, it really is a, a menu of options in the point guard position that – you, I, I don't think you can go wrong depending on what, like you said, it's going to depend a little bit on fit if the Sixers get one of those guys. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's, I, I think you can't go wrong in any of those.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, before we, we go into the late first round guys and go back to Sixers talk for a second, uh, tell me about Skull for a minute. And uh, where do you, where do you have him ranked? How worried are you about how he fared compared to those, you know, you mentioned People were calling him a preseason All American, and then he just totally right. flopped. Uh, showed a little, showed some flashes toward the end of the year. But w- what do you think of him?
2: I, you know, you see when you see him on the court, you see the you see the ability is there. I just think it's going to Kentucky is a tough situation to go to because you are being compared to the other guys that you come in with. You are being compared on a level that's not the same as as a team. Say you go to a, you go to a lesser team. And you're not playing with all that. You get a little more of the attention. Whereas Kentucky, you go there, you're just another guy. And maybe Scales a guy that needs more individual attention to his game in order to get him to step up a little more. Um, I mean, you see the quickness. You see the agility. You see the athleticism on the court when he's out there. And it's just a matter of finding the right coach that can, that can connect with him and, and get him to put it together. You're, you're not thought of that highly mm-hmm. coming out of high school. And just having the ability go away, it's in there somewhere, and it's just gonna take the right team to harness that from him, or have the take the right team to really have the confidence to take him that high, because it's he's one of those guys like we mentioned Marquise Chris, who showed a lot more on the court last year than Scale did, but it's these guys that have the raw ability that can dominate athletically against lesser competition in college, but really they need that that additional coaching um, that additional attention, additional time. And this is a little bit of where the – I think it's it's becoming increasingly important for the NBA to have a, a concrete minor league model mm-hmm. for these guys to develop properly mm-hmm. and to, for them to really get a handle on the age thing. I'm a, I'm, I'm a proponent of letting the guys go right from high school. I don't know how many people feel about it, but I feel like if you have all these other sports that they can go right from high school, you know whether it's hockey, whether it's baseball, they can go right from high school. Why not let them do it in the NBA? And if they had a, if the NBA had a better, and they're starting to right now with the D League, yeah, starting with every with every team having an affiliation. If you're able to draft a guy like Scale, put him down there for two two years with no pressure on him on, on him to perform. I think you're going to see more guys like this develop into into better basketball players. I just think the trouble is going to Kentucky, going in that fishbowl, having the high expectations, um, and having the pressure of, of having to perform at, at you know the arguably the the best college basketball program in the nation, just it just it hurt him more than helped him yeah and i think a lot of guys go to kentucky with the understanding of you know i'm a mcdonald's all-american john calipari is gonna get me drafted right well i think we've seen based on the schools and um the the pre-nba careers of some of these guys you know stephen curry went to davidson and now he's arguably one of the best players in nba you know being talked about as one of the best players in nba history yeah um he went to Davidson. Paul George went to Fresno State. Yep. These, you're gonna get recognized. They're gonna find you, yeah. and you don't need to go to a program like Kentucky. Go to the best fit for you. So, uh, scale scale is probably I think top as far as like an existential, existential basketball conversation about their place in the world and the player development. Scale is definitely like a great litmus test for that that whole argument.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you have him nineteenth on your 19th big board right now. Nineteenth. It seems like – is that kind of like you think he could develop into a top 10 talent, but you also think he could just be a total bust, so you're kind of splitting that's, the that's, difference there?
2: Yeah, balancing, balancing risk with talent. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just – again, it's it's it goes back to the individuality of, of people putting together big boards and, and what they see and how – they with their personal preference. Right. If I'm sitting there and I say, okay, I this is how much I weigh risk versus how much I weigh reward, uh, that's what I see with Scal. And I mean, if I if I'm a team in the lottery, and I have um, you know the confidence I can take a guy like him in mm-hmm. and, and make him into a player, then I, I would absolutely take the shot on that. I mean, like a, a team like Toronto, yeah, I mean, you're Toronto, you're a playoff team, right? Why take a chance on Scale? You have you have Valanchunas there, but Scale is is not the same player as Valanchunas, and mm-hmm. you could bring him along slowly and develop him. And you, there's not any pressure for him to perform because he's going to a playoff team. So I think Toronto is even a good fit for Scale.
1: Yeah, I've seen him mocked mostly to Toronto and Orlando, which both seem like mm-hmm. pretty good fits for him. So absolutely, yeah. Uh, before we drop down into the late round, late first round guys, do you want to do a quick uh, lottery mock draft for us? Sure, let's 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 do
2: it. Let's All right. let's do something that's going to be completely wrong in like a week. Yeah, you know, it's it's still it's still fun to do that. It's you know hashing this stuff out is is kind of like it's you know. Trying to put the pieces together is fun.
1: Yeah, well, until uh, the Sixers blow it all up and trade Okafor for the number three pick, at least just, we can...
2: Just watch the Sixers, watch everything come together on draft night.
1: Knock on wood. Or, or you're going to have Brian Colangelo <laughs> calling teams
2: for Scotty reports. Yeah, Like exa- you did know, when he was in
1: <laughs> Right, exactly. There, there are two very polarizing directions they could go, and it's <laughs> either going to go really well or really poorly. So... All right, Mr. Colangelo, you are on the clock at number one. It sounds like you were taking well, Brandon Ingram. I really,
2: Ingram. I really think, I really think we should go your way. I mean, if you want you, uh, Simmons at number okay. one, let's let's go Simmons number one. All right, one. we'll do Simmons number one. Okay, so let's then let's you- go. Let's go Simmons number one, and then we that means Ingram goes two. Okay. Which I think is, uh, you know, if they're if they're going to keep that core together that they're, they're building, yeah. you have a core of D'Angelo, Russell, Brandon Ingram, and Julius Randle. Yeah. I mean, that's a good that's a good combination of guys. As long as D'Angelo Russell isn't like tweeting photos of Nikia or what, <laughs> right? Getting, getting pissing his teammates off. Yeah. But I think that's a really a really good core to build around there, and yeah. I think you have a good balance between those three players.
1: Yeah, agree. It seems like he's a much better fit. He's a better fit than Simmons there because Simmons and Randall, that seems kind of questionable. Like you want sure. Simmons at the four, and you want Randall at the four. So right, right, yeah. right, right. So all right, now the Celtics. This is the the big swing factor here.
2: Well. I think if we're gonna be if we're gonna be realistic about it, I think this is the spot that that Bender goes. Oh, because okay, I I think it is the spot. I think this is the spot that Bender goes. If but if we're gonna, you know, go the other way and and stick to the the college, let's do some options here. I think one of the I think one of the shooters, mm-hmm. um, either whether it's Heald or Murray, uh, because you look at Marcus Smart, Isaiah Thomas, and Avery Bradley. I mean. It's it's Avery Bradley can shoot it, Marcus Smart struggles, and Isaiah Thomas can shoot it, but Isaiah Thomas is gonna be more of the point guard, not really the off the ball scorer. Yep. Um but if I'm being realistic, I think Ben I think this is the spot for Bender. Yeah. I think Bender's gonna go here and I again we talk about that risk with the picks. Okay, take it take a risk on a high end international prospect here that is a little different than the guys you have on the roster, and that would seem to be Bender who fits there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. It seems like he is the fit. Unless you never know, they could always trade for Jimmy Butler. So then it could be the Bulls oh, on the clock. If there, if
2: only it were true. <laughs> if only it were true. I'm. I. It should be known that I'm on the I'm on the uh, I'm in the trade. Jimmy Butler rebuild, burn it all to the ground. <laughs> Bulls fandom, because I'm just frustrated at their. You know, when are if, you, if you're a Bulls fan, is there any worse fan? If you're if you're not a Bulls fan on the outside, and you look at other Bulls fans. It must annoy people to no end to to listen to Bulls fans. Oh yeah, talk about talk about the Bulls. Yeah, because it's it it just is. I mean, between Rose and oh, just see now we've gone off on a tangent.
1: <laughs> but, I will say, living in Chicago, it, it's fascinating to watch Bulls fans. You know, uh, a, what they had forty two wins last season. It's like the end of the world. Like the Sixers won ten freaking games. Give me a break, guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's. It's differing expectations.
1: Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll say Bender went to the Celtics at three. That puts Phoenix on the clock at four.
2: See, and this again, it's it's another interesting spot because with yeah. Bledsoe and Knight, Bledsoe and Knight in the backcourt, you're not going to take Dunn, right? Especially with the money they've invested there. Yeah. With Devin Booker having a great season last year, and I don't know, I don't know exactly what they still think of T.J. Warren, who was having a pretty decent year before he got hurt. Yeah. Um, do you want to go wing again here? I don't know. I think. I think with a guy like Tyson Chandler, who's, you know, aging mm-hmm. and aging or already aged. I don't know how you, <laughs> how you define it. Very, very much um, aged. Yeah. <laughs> and then Alex Len, who is going to be your center. Right. Eventually, who's a good compliment to Alex Len, who's more of a back to the basket, you know, in the paint type center. I, I think, again, even though it's not the value I'd like there, uh, Marquise Chris is a possibility. Yep. And Jalen Brown is a possibility. I think that yeah. they still have hopes for TJ Warren, although TJ Warren isn't good enough to warrant ignoring someone like Jalen Brown. Right. I think Jalen Brown or Marquise Chris is there. I would lean toward going – see, again, this gets back into our need and best player available conversation we were having earlier. Yeah. I would lean almost toward Marquise Chris here instead of Jalen Brown. Yeah. Uh, because you do have so much – so many guys right now on the wing and the backcourt that need the ball in their hands to be effective. Right, um, Is Jalen Brown going to come in and be a three and D guy right away and just be a complimentary role type player? I don't know. Physically he can play, but but I don't know if he's going to be able to develop that way. I think a guy like Marquise Chris with a similar, not the not the height of, of Tyson Chandler, but a similar style of game could come in and learn from him. So Marquise Chris, I think I would go with there.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have uh, Mirza Teletovich and John Luehr are both, unrestricted free agents so they like currently yeah. do not have a starting power forward so i right. I, I think you're right in that they're going to be looking to fill that hole ideally at four possibly at 13 as well but I, you know yep. i think i think they're praying like hell that dragon bender falls to them but if they don't oh absolutely yeah but if the celtics I, screw them over there i i could see, see marquise chris that makes sense to me
2: see and this but this is where i mean i think the celtics again we go back to them being the fulcrum of the draft yeah you know they've had healed they've, they publicized healed and um murray workouts right so they're clearly looking at them yeah they've also had with the butler rumors yep i mean there's a there's a good chance that they're not making the pick there right and it's going to be someone else yeah that's a good i I wish i wish they would just make the demarcus cousins trades right now and get demarcus (laughs) cousins there because i i think that would be a perfect fit with what they have going on but again demarcus cousins is a very polarizing yeah
1: yeah it sounds like I mean, uh, Vlade came out earlier in the offseason and said they weren't trading him because they hired Dave Yeager and they want to see how they work together, but you never know. You never know. I I would think uh, number three and some change could make them change their Uh, tune. So let's go to Minnesota at five. Who do you have them taking with Ingram Simmons, Bender, and Chris off the board? Man,
2: I would love Dunn there, and I know know – I know Thibodeau would love Dunn, yeah, like Dunn, but you've got Rubio, mm-hmm. and it's it's do you do you take Dunn knowing that you have Rubio in the fold? Um, they don't have enough shooting, right? They don't have enough shooting from the outside. So, given those factors, I think Jamal Murray would be the the solid pick there for Minnesota, uh, a guy that <clears throat> physically is 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 able to play both the one and the two. And um still has some development and has has a very similar development curve to, curve to their stars. I mean, you're talking about Wiggins was a freshman for, was a freshman when he came out. Yep. Towns is a freshman when he came out. You got another guy with Jamal Murray. So I think Jamal Murray would be the solid pick there.
1: Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh let's go to New Orleans. It's six. Uh Buddy. Buddy. Yeah.
2: Buddy Heel. Yep. Buddy, again, Chris Dunn, another good fit, but yep. Drew Drew Holiday's still making 11 million a year. Right, cash them checks, Drew. Um, <laughs> um, but I think I think Buddy would would play well with Eric Gordon. You know, when he's not hurt, he's he's now he's gone. Yeah. Um, Tyreek not filling that shooting shooting uh, aspect that they need. Ryan Anderson being a free agent. Yep. Um, bringing somebody that can shoot the ball like Buddy would be a good option.
1: Yeah, and as you said, Gordon's a unrestricted free agent as well. You got to figure he is probably on his way out. So mm-hmm. it would make sense to to get Buddy there. And it does seem like Dunn is the one guy who, like, everyone agrees is a top-five talent, but just based on yep. the way the board shakes out, if someone doesn't trade up for him to get him at three or if Boston yeah. doesn't take him, like, he just based on positional need, he's the one who seems like he's at risk right. of dropping.
2: It's it's interesting because like, there's so many good point guards in the league right now. Yeah. And you've seen all these um, – these lineups that you put out there that are not necessarily traditional basketball lineups but it's really going to take a team that's confident to say you know we're going to draft Chris Dunn and we're going to put him next to the point guard we currently have cuz Chris Dunn can guard the 2. Yeah. Um and and I, that's where I think that the interesting piece of this comes in is that someone you know with the Warriors playing lineups with with Sean Livingston playing with another point guard um with with the Phoenix Suns with the way they do with Bledsoe and Knight, you know they were successful when they did with with Goran Dragić and um oh god who is it was brandon was it brandon it was bledsoe was dragons and bledsoe when they had the horn of six first year yeah but it's going to take a team that's that's confident i think there is i don't think there's any way dunn falls out of the top six i don't whether it's a team whether it's team getting or trading up to get him yep or one of these teams like i said being confident enough to take another point guard when they already have one i don't think there's any chance dunn falls out of the top six again but I could be completely wrong, which no, I, I often am.
1: I think you're right. I think especially if uh, if he falls to six, I think Sacramento would try like hell to get up, leap New Oh, Orleans absolutely. Just, you know, just in case they say, I think Drew only has one more year on his deal. So maybe they say, you know, we're going to take Dunn and groom him and be our point guard of the future. And Sacramento yeah. just has such a big need of point guard. They can't afford to risk him not falling there. So
2: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: That said, it looks like he might fall there because we've got the Nuggets at seven on the clock, and they have Moutier. So, who do you pick with, for the Nuggets? Jalen Brown.
2: Yep. Jalen Brown, I think is a is a perfect is a perfect fit here. Yep. Um, with Moutier on board, Gary Harris come on at the end of the, last year, at two guard. You've got you know, Jokic and Jokic and Nurkic. Yeah. And, and then. Um, you know, you hear you hear trade talks surrounding Gallinari and Freed all the time, and what they're going to do next. But I, I really like Jalen Brown here, and and again, the same, almost the same age as Moutier, and having that same trajectory with their two, uh, with those two <clears throat> developing together. Excuse me, but I really like Jalen Brown there for Denver.
1: Yeah, Denver's in that weird spot where they are like partially rebuilding but also have a bunch of like mid-career guys like the gallo they have farid they have uh wilson chandler who i think is like 28 or 29 but then like yeah as you said they have Moody, gary harris Jokic, Nurkic. like they it's a good combination where they don't necessarily need a guy to come in play 35 yeah. minutes right you know right from the start like if jalen brown you said it earlier he's like he still has a lot of work to do to develop his basketball skill set but denver yeah. actually might be a good place for him to do that
2: yeah, i I, th- I think it's. I just think it's odd that they have it, that Gallinari and Fareed are still there. Yeah, they and Wilson Chandler was supposed to be a bull like in 2013, <laughs> based on trade rumors. Yeah, but right. Um, but I think, I think they need to you know scrap and just build around Moutier and 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 if they draft Jalen Brown here, I think that's the the right way to go.
1: Yeah. So, in this eight. in this mock, Sacramento oh. at eight. Chris Dunn is still on the board. Do you even? Yeah. Do, do you run up to the podium to?
2: <laughs> Absolutely, I run up to the podium and and take Chris Dunn uh, at eight if he's still there, which he's not going to be. Right. But yeah, I mean, if you're Sacramento, Chris Dunn is is a perfect fit. You know, Rondo's not going to Rondo. I don't think there's any way Rondo comes back. No, God no, um God no, no. <laughs> um, and you know i just think he he does everything that you that you want there but again so let's say for instance chris dunn isn't there um i think this could be a spot where you take one of those athletic big man next to like another spot from marquise chris playing yeah. next to, to marcus cousins um i think that's an option here as well um but uh, you know it's vivek who knows yeah i mean this could this could be where he takes a shot on like k felder yeah he, he really likes the idea of a 5'9 five, nine, five, nine point guard because he thinks that they can go between guys' legs. <laughs> like that's v, that's Vivek for you. He's gonna crowd. He's gonna crowdsource again for his first round. Oh pick. my
1: god! Please please do. Or just send it to Philly again, Vivek. It's fun.
2: Uh, oh, absolutely. But I, and I you know I, maybe Chris wouldn't be a fit here because they did draft Collie Stein last year, which I neglected to even right. even, even remember. So they've got Coley Stein and Cousins up front, but you know a point guard would be ideal. Let's say Dunn's gone. You go with a guy like Demetrius Jackson or Wade Baldwin. And that's, it may be a little high for you, but this is, this is the point where there isn't a, a, there isn't like 13 guys for 13 spots or 13 guys for 20. Like there's not a defined lottery pick in this draft. There's, there's five guys that most, five college guys plus Bender that most assuredly will go in the lottery. Right. The rest of it is, who knows?
1: Yeah. It seems like Simmons, Ingram are tier one uh Bender healed Murray and Dunn are tier 2 and then tier tier 3 is like 20 dudes i think it was just yeah, no absolute yeah no differentiation between like none yeah yeah so it's, I, i'm it, with that's you That's
2: what that makes it interesting
1: yeah all right so let's let's rapid fire through the rest of this lottery here so, number 9 yep. Toronto who do you got there i toronto you go with
2: uh they take a risk with one of the one, one whether it's scal or with or you take Or arya Yeah. but Yakaperto is redundant. It's what they want to do with Valanciunas next, right. I guess, is what is whatever they think there. But if you want a guy to come in and play minutes for a playoff team, maybe Denzel Valentine goes here. Ooh, so I, let's go Denzel Valentine. I like it on the wing here.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, Ten is Milwaukee.
2: Well, they should draft someone with like seven foot arms because it would be it would fit in with the rest of their team, <laughs> right? Um, uh, I mean, with Giannis running the point now, and you know Monroe in the post. Uh, I See, they, again, they don't have many holes to fill, but they. Uh, I think this is a spot where they take a shot on a guy like Scale, yeah, um, or a guy like um, Chris if he's still there, uh, Deontay Davis maybe, one of one of the one of the lengthy big guy lengthy athletic big guys. So let's. I'm going to go with.
1: I'm going to go with um, Deontay Davis right here. I like it. Okay, so we've got Orlando now on the clock at eleven. I think Scale. Yeah yep scale yeah
2: and then, this is this is where my boy sabonis drops by the way
1: oh yeah he and is dropping it's,
2: and this is where the athleticism comes into play you got sabonis and pertle who i have top eight both of them in my top eight but really it's finding that that, that team that has to have the right fit where you know milwaukee's already got a slow big guy like greg monroe up front they're yep. not going to need another one orlando's got vucevic yep. they're not going to need another one so i think it's that this is where fit comes in and the hardest fit, the the hardest fit in the NBA right now is finding a team that could stay, sustain having a so slow footed, less athletic big guy anyway. <laughs> that has basketball ability and has the it has, it has some value, but is really the hardest uh, fit
1: to find. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> you want
2: to unclog that lane in Philly?
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll go. Twelve is Utah.
2: Utah, I mean, I I have I have a feeling they said last year they're going to make the playoffs. But they're going to, I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, and just so finding a guy that can come in right away, and and get minutes, uh, is Exum going to be healthy? Right, that's the biggest question. That's the biggest question on my mind right now. And even if he's healthy, is he going to be good enough for them to play meaningful minutes when they're you know going against the Buzzsaw Western Conference? Um, I like Wade Baldwin here. Ooh, okay i like wade ball once you've got a guy that can play point If vexham comes back you have a guy that can play off the ball uh alec burks has a little bit of that too but again he's had some injury problems yep rodney Hook they have some great positional versatility in utah then
1: yeah that would be i like that a lot uh so 13 phoenix is back on the clock we need a compliment to marquise uh, chris
2: well to marquise chris uh you can't take another you can't take alex Len here are you okay i'm sorry you can't take another alex Len here mm-hmm. um So I think you go with you got to find a way. I think Malik. I think another Malik Beasley or Torian Prince. Um, Torian, it's a little high. It's a little high for Torian Prince. I like Torian Prince. Mm -hmm. Even the other guy that the other guy that I think might be a little bit of a risk here, but again, only a freshman coming out of college has a lot of developing to do. Is Malachi Richardson? You've got a team. Maybe Phoenix with two first round picks can take a little bit more of a risk with their second one. Uh, granted, they're taking Marquise Chris and Malachi Richardson, which is like the ultimate yeah. <laughs> tandem roll of the dice. Right, but um, so I think even though it's a little high for Malachi Richardson, maybe this is the spot where where he goes or uh, Malik Beasley. Okay,
1: um, and then so- oh,
2: and then. You're and bulls. then we have the bulls.
1: Yeah, you're bull- and, and then we have the bulls. Strategically, well, I noticed Sabonis and Pirtle have both slipped. <laughs> Dude. How did that happen? <laughs> what but a coincidence! It's just
2: the way the board fell. Yeah. Let me just tell everyone out there <laughs> uh, if you're te- if you're telling me right now that it's Pirtle and Demetrius Jackson still out there, and uh, I mean, it's it's gonna depend on who they bring back next year. And I don't think Noah's back. I don't think Gasol's back. Right. Um, Given all that you've got, you've got Taj Gibson under contract. Is he trade bait? Got Bobby Portis. I think if you're if you're if you're really counting on Bobby Portis and Miritich as part of your core going forward, the one guy that does things that neither of them really does is Sabonis. And I think Sabonis would fit that whole. How did that happen? That yeah, just what a, that just happened so nicely. What a, what a totally not planned at all. What a weird considering truth. I was rambling for some things <laughs> right. and trying to find a fit. You right. know that I didn't plan that out so. No that's Um, true I would if those all things being equal but you know they want to find another point guard yeah with Rose Rose is not I don't see any way he's re-signed after this year right so uh, and and Paxson loves his Notre Dame guys
1: yeah yeah I I could see Jackson definitely going there so uh, I want to get into your top 50 but before we do that uh, give me a couple quick late first round or second round guys who you think could be steals
2: sure I'm a big Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon fan. Um, again, kind of similar to what we talked about with Demetrius Jackson, playing one role for a successful team one year, the next year coming back, being the guy and having another successful run. Um, uh, not, it reminds me a little bit of like Rip Hamilton coming off screens. Mm-hmm. Obviously we always compare guys to really good NBA players. So I hate because it it's yeah. so hard to find a comparison, but I'm not saying he's going to be Rip Hamilton, but you know, very similar in, in that respect. So I like Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I like DeAndre Benbury for the just athletic can jump out of the gym, can rebound, uh, does a little bit of everything. I, I like Ben Bentle, a power forward that can step outside and kind of the modern NBA. Uh, one really good year at Providence, uh, but I, I really like what Ben, ben Bentle can bring. Um, going a little bit down there, I'm a lot of people. A lot of people are not, but I, I like Wayne Seldon. Uh, mm. and maybe this is kind of like your your poison pill player that you fall in love with and you just can't get you can't <laughs> get yourself away from him. Kind of like Bradley Beal is for me. Yeah. Like I'm a huge Bradley Beal guy, but uh, Wayne Selden never really had uh, the best numbers at Kansas. Really turned it on at the end of last season. Uh, but a physical, athletic two-guard that can shoot it has the range, but just for some – maybe it's it's like one of those Nikola Miritich type things where they say he's such a good shooter, but he doesn't. Why does he not make more? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I like Wayne Selden. And then another guy I like here is from little-known Weber State, Joe Ballenboy, uh, another pow- another power forward in the in the realm of Ben Benzel where you're a little athletic and step outside and do a little bit of everything. Um, and then Karis Lavert, as yes. much as I, as much uh, as much as I, you know, growing up a uh, you know went to Illinois and Notre Dame fan, you, you're, you're that's two ways of hating Michigan. Yeah, but. Karis LeVert, I mean, he was two years ago, was talked about as being a lottery pick before these injuries came into play. Right. Um, arguably the best pro prospect on a team with, you know, Trey Burke, Glenn Robinson, Tim Hardaway. He was the sixth or seventh man on that team. But, I mean, really brings a lot to the table in positional versatility, long arms. Uh, he's got the length, got the, got the athleticism, can shoot it. But it's just a matter of him staying healthy. He's 32, 30, or 32 on my, my college prospects, mm-hmm. but he'd be much higher if, if there was that confidence. I mean, he's had two season ending injuries to, to this point. Yeah. I mean, what NBA team is going to take a risk on that? But again, like Brogdon, I think Brogdon and Lavert are two guys that I think we're going to say after this draft or after, after their rookie season, some playoff team is going to take them and they're going to be very happy with them and they're going to play a role immediately yeah and we're going to say wow we knew that would have happened and it's probably going to be the Spurs yeah so definitely the yeah. Spurs and the
1: Warriors you know what's happening
2: yeah absolutely so those are the guys I like at the at the bottom of the first round or early second round
1: yeah I, I'm a big LeVert guy as well and uh I don't think the Sixers will take him because they're probably injury <laughs> <laughs> uh averse after the whole Joel Embiid situation but yeah, I like him a lot, and I like uh, Patrick McCaw as well. So
2: you're a Patrick McCaw guy. Yeah, okay.
1: yeah, just because I think you know, I think if they're going to take Simmons at number one, they're going to need some shooting around him. McCaw, oh yeah, McCaw's a good shooter. He's got the length. Yeah. So, yeah. So all right. So that was our look through the first rounds. Um, we're gonna quickly turn to your. You, you shared a chart with us. Your top 50 NCAA prospects since 2002. So before we get in here. Again, only college guys, not international, not high school guys. LeBron James is well, not on the Why is LeBron list. not on there? Yeah, not, come on. <laughs> he, he's not on there, Dwight Howard's not on there, just college guys. So yeah. don't don't come um, at Jeff on Twitter. Uh and this was him. this
2: was not Chad Ford. This is not Chad Ford esque. I did not go back and revise this. As <laughs> yeah. you can as I can attest by Derrick Williams being my number twenty eight prospect overall in since two thousand two. Right. So Yeah. Um I was surprised when I went through this. I, was kind of, I had my little grading system, and I was surprised that I had five guys from this draft in my top 50. Yeah. Um, very surprised. None of them in the top 20. Right. Uh, but you know, I have Simmons, 22, uh, Ingram, 21, and then I have Heald, uh, 35. Let me go in order here. Dunn, 32, Murray, 33, Heald, 35. Yeah. Um, just, again, just based on at the time you know, trying to block out the the other stuff in there. Again, I have Michael Beasley twenty seven, so <laughs> take this with a grain of salt. But um just how they fit into the whole the whole scheme of things, I, I like the top five guys a lot. Yeah. Um Sabonis, so I'd have to go back and look at my master list, but I, I know he was in the top uh, there's a there's a little bit of a drop off in my top after him. Like he's I think he's seventy five to eighty. Okay. But um yeah, so I, I was surprised at how well these guys graded out compared to my my past prospects. Um, but again, I, I have Ingram right behind DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. Um, I like DeMarcus Cousins a ton coming out of Kentucky, even with all the attitude questions and all that. So, um, but yeah, I was really surprised at how this draft graded out. I mean, I think it's only uh, since 2002, I think for the draft, I think there's four drafts that have five guys in my top 50, three or four drafts. And this is one of them. So oh, I, was, wow. I was surprised, especially with all the talk about how weak it is. Yeah,
1: that's um, that's what kind of caught my eye, too. Just to give more perspective, you have right ahead of Ingram and Simmons, you have guys like Chris Paul, Jabari Parker, Joel Embiid, Brandon Roy, Al Horford, and Boogie. You have them ahead of Emeka Okafor, Andrew Bogut, Luol Deng, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Love, Chris Bosh. And then uh, the guards, especially. So 31 through, let's say, 38 oh, no just to give some context 31 is James Harden 32 is Chris Dunn 33 is Jamal Murray 34 is Russell Westbrook 35 is Buddy Heald 36 Bradley Beal 37 Eric Gordon 38 Mike Conley so that's yeah that's just to give some perspective as to kind of the range like you know James Harden and Russell Westbrook are like top five top 10 (laughs) NBA players and you've got Dunn Murray and Heald right in there so
2: I think people tend to, people tend to forget the questions that were surrounding those guys when they came out. So, yeah. I mean, it was whether or not Russell Westbrook could play the point. People thought the Thunder were crazy for working him out of the point guard because he never really played at UCLA. I mean, Harden, you had, yeah, Harden had, I mean, it was whether or not how he was going to, how he was going to defend. That's still a question, right, but, right. He scored, but you didn't know he was going to score it. You didn't know he was going to score it as well as he does. Yeah. And, um, uh you know i was i like i said before i'm still i remain a huge bradley beal and eric gordon fan for some unknown reason i like the like the 6364 well-built shooting guard that can just knock it down but i, I love when they get hurt apparently <laughs> uh, um, but but yeah so i was i was again surprised how they graded out chris dunn at, at point guard i have him right ahead of westbrook um and it tells you how much i like chris dunn yeah and the next point guard I have in the list is 15 with Chris Paul. Right. And Dunn is 32. So there's a big drop off there. But I, and as far as point guards go, I have Dunn right ahead at Westbrook and Mike Conley coming out. Um, So I I like Dunn a lot. And, again, it would be hard for me to take him over Simmons and Ingram. But I, I think – I mean, Brian, your dream scenario. Yeah. If it happened, Ben Simmons and Chris Dunn, I mean, that's – that's pretty I mean you 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 need a little shooting somewhere you just fill in with shooters right. just have those two and just have those two noel and then a bunch of shooters Yeah that's all you need Yeah it's all fixed. I just fixed your problem. I know.
1: Believe me, I know. <laughs> yeah, we just started a uh, a mock draft at Hardwood Paroxysm, and I'm obviously the Sixers, so I immediately yeah. put uh, Okafor on the trade block, but got shot down pretty quickly for the number three pick. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope hope uh, real Brian Colangelo has better luck than fake Brian Colangelo. But I, I did, you know, I just wanted to bring up your top fifty uh, since 2002, just to give. You know, give listeners a perspective that this draft—you said it—it it has the perception of being weak, and we've talked about how a lot of the guys outside the top six, top seven, have you know significant question marks. But it seems like the top-end talent really is comparable to some of the stronger drafts. And I wonder—you um, know, like 2014 was supposed to be a once-in-a-generation draft, but then like turns out uh, 2015 looks better. Like 2015. I mean, Kaminsky was probably, him and Cameron Payne were like the worst lottery picks, and that's Mm -hmm. still, like, they'll be rotation players, but I mean, there are, you know, Porzingis looks like a superstar at four, Devin Booker showed, I mean, he showed a lot of flashes at 13, Miles Turner at 11, Uh, Justin Swinslow at 10, so like, there was a lot of talent there, Um, which is just to say that, you know, every year we go through, it like waxes and wanes, it's like. Every February, it's the best draft class ever, and then every April, it's the worst draft class ever. And now, a week before the draft, I mean, a lot of these guys have holes in their game. But I wouldn't, if I'm a fan of like Phoenix or Minnesota or New Orleans with the four, five, six pick, like you're about to get a very good player. Like, don't be Mm -hmm. discouraged that you're not Mm -hmm. getting Simmons or Ingram. There is a lot of talent, top end talent in this draft in that mid lottery range.
2: Absolutely. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm glad you didn't touch on Jaleel Okafor being ranked ahead of yeah. Blake Griffin. Yeah, that, that's, that's,
1: is, that. I'm going to give you a chance my, to defend that this one. This is how
2: you know I didn't go back and change anything. <laughs> yeah, I know,
1: right? Well, no, because... so in your defense, you wrote a thing last year at Bball Breakdown about Okafor, and I think you said he was the most gifted offensive big man since Tim Duncan, which, you know, having watched his rookie season, like, I agree. Like, he, he was a lot more well-rounded as a rookie than I expected. I thought he came in with the perception of being like this plodding low post guy who, you know, he can hit hook shots, but that's about all he can do. But he's got like, he has some phenomenal footwork. Like he can really, he can dribble it from the top of the key and go right to the basket, which is rare for a 6'10", 270 pound guy. (laughs) Like that's not something those guys can do. And he's got some, uh, I wrote a thing recently at People Breakdown about, Nerlens and Okafor and which one to trade and I had yeah. I compiled a video of him against Orlando I think it was in like late February right before he got hurt and it's just like a five or six shots of him putting Nikola Vucevic in the spin cycle like he just completely yeah. obliterated him so as I, yes, I think
2: I think you I'm sorry I think, I think he was so good right away at Duke and like everything came so easy offensively for him and you know he comes out ACC player of the year they win the national championship that immediately he's under in you know he's under scrutiny to perform and people don't think about tim duncan with his you know with his footwork but i mean i i look at i love watching big guys and they're like i was mentioning about sabonis earlier yeah guys that have the good the good fundamental post uh skills that are that are are few and far between nowadays you don't see many guys with that because they're not coaching them up that way anymore right it's it's perimeter oriented basketball which is fine i'm not like I'm not being one of those old-timers saying, oh, I want to go back to the good old days. Where we, <laughs> we threw it to the guy in the post, and he just backs him. No, that's definitely – that would be bad yeah. because I loved watching the Warriors-Cavs game the other night, but and that that's not how it was 15 years ago. But there is still a place for these guys. It's just is it's finding the right fit for a guy, and next to New Noel is not it.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I've been saying that uh, for much of the season. I think the dude's going to have a great NBA career. I just don't think it's going to happen in Philly. I think it's just there he conflicts with basically every other big man on the roster and you know not even Nerlens, but Embiid's coming there is quote-unquote a 99% chance that Dario Saric is coming I don't know he's a great fit with them Ben Simmons like you know you want the ball in Ben Simmons hands as much as possible so if you take Simmons like you almost have to trade Okafor so again I think you'll have a good NBA career I think he's kind of like Kevin Love in that regard like Kevin Love I don't I don't think the ship has sailed on Kevin Love. I just think no. the ship has sailed in Cleveland on Kevin Love.
2: Well, it's it's just like it's it's fine. It's when you're playing with five five other guys on the court. It's tough to find something that fits together. Yeah, it just right. is. And the war the Warriors are blessed enough to have found that. Right. And I mean, that's just you. You watch them play, and you you instantly see this makes sense.
1: Yeah. This and, makes basketball sense. And game five was kind of the, it showed how fragile that is. Like Draymond Green was out and, you know, their whole system kind of went to hell. Like we even lit them up. Yeah. So yeah, I think you, you said it very well. It's, you need all five parts to work together because you have one weak link and it, it all just goes to hell really fast.
2: Well, yeah, that's, I mean, I just need, I just need my bulls to find it now.
0: That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's
2: it. That's it. This list did bring back some memories, though. I mean, I was looking back at it and, and trying to because I always go back through it and I'm like, wait a minute, okay, what was I thinking at this time? What was going through my head? Because now you have this whole this this concept of what they are now as an NBA player, yeah. And like, I just when I see Jay Williams at number four, yeah, I'm like, oh, what could have been? Right. Oh, what could have been? Right. Because he was he was phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. He was my number four, my number one point guard, but, um. It just gives you—you you have to remember what was thought of these guys before they actually entered the NBA and entered through the rigors of what goes on, and um, you know how they're affected by it. I did have Tyrus Thomas forty-five too, I had <laughs> one spot ahead of Steph Curry. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, again, well, again.
1: We won't talk about that this. one. But yeah, you had you had <laughs> Derrick Rose number nine ahead of Wall, Irving, D Wade, uh, Darren Williams, Chris Paul as well. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what could have what been, you do? what could have been indeed? Well, Jeff, thanks for hopping on with us today. This was, this was really good stuff. Uh, you can find Jeff's work again at bballbreakdown.com, com. nylon calculus. You can find him on Twitter at J F E Y five. Uh, Jeff, do you have any draft content to promote coming out? I think you and, uh, Adam and Josh are working on something.
2: So Adam's myself, Adam Spinella and Josh Riddell over at bball breakdown. Are you putting together our composite rankings for the site? Um, and then we're also going to be doing a, a little convo that we're going to post, just kind of some banter back and forth, mainly on guys that we disagree on. I think I mentioned earlier, Josh's got Wade Baldwin very high, um, other guys that we're down on. So we're taking a look at that right now. I'm going to try and put some of that stuff out before the draft goes. So look for that on B Ball Breakdown.
1: Yeah. And then uh, check us out as well at the NBA Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find us as always on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Please leave us reviews. We'd love to get them uh until then jeff thanks again for hopping on and uh good luck with your draft coverage in the next week man thanks for having me we'll talk again all right take care all right bye-bye welcome to total wine and more it's much more than a wine store it's the eighth wonder of the world
0: when people talk about total wine and more they get a little carried away we're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com.
2: Welcome
1: to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world.
0: When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. For CLEARANCE. clearance.